Hello, RP people, and welcome to a very interesting episode of Roleplaying as Smart People, the podcast where we pretend to know what we're talking about when it comes to all things tabletop. My name is Santa, and thanks for tuning in. Uh, today, we're going to have... It's... What's the best way to put it? This is going to be an actual play for the game that we that I interviewed for yesterday, or last week, of Don't Play This Game. Uh, I have a very talented creator named Craig Edgar, who created... Uh, a solo play with this game and did it all in audio form. I asked them if I would be able to do it for an episode because it is really freaking awesome. And he said, yeah. Um, with him, he also has his friend Mike Everest, who played Mike uh, within it. Uh, and it is honestly absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend you listen to this episode, even though you may become cursed and all of a sudden have some demonic patchwork demon who's after you. But, you know. This, that is the risk. I hope you guys enjoy, and if you want to check out his original content in video form, uh, links will be in the description below. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. My name. Uh, my name uh, doesn't doesn't really matter. Uh, what matters is, is this recording. The recording of what's happened so far. I feel like I have to re record this, make a record of what's going on. It's like, it's like a compulsion. Maybe, maybe I've just not had enough sleep. It, it all started yesterday. I received a, a letter in the post, a package, unmarked. No indication of where it was from, who had sent it. I opened it and there was a painting inside, a small square painting, beautiful, exquisitely painted. It showed a man on the edge of a long cliff. He was staring into nothing, the emptiness, vastness, eternity, I, I don't know. But I couldn't look away. I couldn't take my eyes off this painting. And it filled me with dread. It filled me with a sense of loneliness, a sense of emptiness. Like I was the figure on the edge of the cliff. I, I stood with it in my hands for about an hour, just, just looking at it, memorizing every line, every curve, every shade. Eventually, I, I managed to um, walk into the kitchen and uh, and put it in a cupboard. <laughs> um, it's with the vegetables now, the ones that are going bad, because I never used them. And the rest of that day, I couldn't get the idea of the painting out of my head. And the sense of dread, the sense of loneliness that came with it. Then that night, I had the dream. 
I was in a underground station, old, abandoned. It was too long. It was too dim. The lights weren't bright enough. Felt wrong. And then I saw the walls. And water was running down them. Like a waterfall. Just pouring. And I reached out to touch it and it was cold, bitterly. Bitterly cold, I had to pull my hands away. The kind of cold that if you keep your hands under it too long it hurts. But then I looked down and as the water went down to the platform it, it, it stopped. It wasn't pooling. It wasn't doing anything. It, it just wasn't there anymore. I just recoiled. I wanted to be away from this place as quick as I could, but then I heard the screaming. The cries for help coming from the tunnel ahead of me. It was Mike. Now, my friend Mike is a confident man. He's a strong man. I'm jealous of Mike. Mike seems to have everything all together, and I don't. And I've never heard Mike make these noises, make these sounds. Somehow I knew it was him. He was crying out, begging for help. And I didn't want to go to his rescue, I'm ashamed to say, but I just wanted to leave. But I still myself. And I slowly, painfully climbed down onto the track and walked down the tunnel. In my dream, I had my phone and I turned the torch on. The light, as bright as it was, was just engulfed by the darkness of that tunnel. And I walked like, felt like forever trying to get these screams, trying to get to my friend, calling out, Mike, Mike, do you need me? What's wrong? Mike. No answer. Just screams. But then I saw it. My torchlight saw something in the darkness. Tall, humanoid. I thought it was Mike. And then it raised its head. And it was not human. It had a, a face. Maybe it was a mask. Patchwork leather. Wrong. Two small eyes staring at me. And then it started to move, uh, shuffling towards me at first, but then getting faster and faster. And I backed off. I, I started to run and I turned back and I saw it chasing me now, not running like any man would, but like it was something that wasn't used to being in a human form. 
and it chased me. And it made no sound, but I knew it meant me harm. I ran as fast as I could. Finally, I turned, and as I turned, I saw it was right next to me. And I'll never forget that face. I sketched it. I sketched it this morning. I can't get it over my head. And then, and then I woke up. I've been awake since three this morning. I'm hoping that this record just stays on my phone. Maybe it will. Maybe it will. It's happened again. <sighs> Dreams, nightmares and something else. Last night I finally felt asleep. Dreading to close my eyes after the nightmare the day before. When I did, I found myself at the ruined gatehouse, what remains of a local castle. It's old. Sometimes you can go inside it, but there's ways around it you want to go. I wandered in. I've always liked the room at the top of the gatehouse looking out. You can see a small moat. You can see most of the town. So I walked up the spiral staircase. I hate spiral staircases. They're small, tight, cramped. You go round and round so often that you start to feel dizzy. And as I walked up, there were just more steps and more steps and more steps and I kept going up and I kept going round and I hated it and it was darker and so I started to walk down I find that worse in these old castles where you could slip, fall at any time. But I walked down, down and down. Felt like 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. I just kept walking. It hurried up and I almost slipped a few times, my breath catching in my throat, holding the wall. It just wouldn't end. I know this sounds stupid, but it's just one of my ideas of hell. A journey with no destination. Just walking in a empty stone stairwell. I could feel my heart pounding in my chest. I could feel my self start to hyperventilate. And I was screaming, and as he screamed, everything dissolved. And I was in a room. A stone room. 
It may be what the castle hall used to look like. I, I don't know. It's not there anymore. It was destroyed centuries ago. In the middle of the room, there was something calling to me. Humming with, with power. You could feel it in the air. And as I got close, the humming was worse. It was like you were walking into a, a, a speaker at a loud concert. The vibrations were just hitting me. And there was this thing on the floor, a cross, a heavy cross made of steel, wood, leather. A Christian cross, maybe, but this was, it had spikes and it had weight to it. This was nothing, there was nothing holy about it, but it was just calling to me. So I grabbed it and I pulled and as I pulled, I could feel the dream world had dissolved around me. And there I was in my underwear outside the gatehouse. The cold air hit me like, like a dozen knives. And I looked down and the artifact was in my hand and the spike at the bottom was covered in blood. And then I looked and I was covered in blood. My hands, my body, my legs. And then I heard a whimper and I looked down. And there was a, a fox. We get a lot of foxes here, but they always run away. I wondered, had I pulled the cross out of the fox? Had I attacked it in my dream? state, in my sleepwalking state, what had happened. It was covered in blood. It was whimpering and there was nothing I could do. I thought maybe I should put it out of his misery, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. So I ran. I ran home. Once I got away from the gatehouse onto the streets, I was sticking to the shadows, running across patches of light, paranoid that someone would see me, more paranoid that someone was following me. I got home and the door was unlocked. So I got in and I walked upstairs, this cross still in my hand. And I washed the blood from me. I washed myself three, four, five times. I don't think I'll ever be clean. What is happening to me? What's happening to me? After two days of terror, I knew I had to do something. The dreams and what they were doing to me. They could be explained away, stress, anxiety, but the cross, the cross was real. It was something I could touch. It 
proved that something was going on. At least, that's what I thought. I decided to go to the British Library. I knew there they would have books on all sorts of topics and maybe I could find out what this cross was and if it had a link to the patch-faced man. When I got to the library, the security guards opened my bag and saw the cross and I thought right there they were going to confiscate it, that they were going to call the police, but they just looked at me. They shook their head and they waved me through. The librarians, they were equally puzzled as I explained what I wanted to them. They thought maybe I'd watched too many TV shows, but they helped me. Two hours of reading through ancient manuscripts and various other books. I finally found what I was looking for in a book of antiquities. It had a picture of the cross. It, it didn't have a name. It, it was just labelled Ancient Cross. Apparently, in the 1800s, it was found in an archaeological dig in Istanbul, in the ruins of old Constantinople. From then, it had been shown in museums, it had been part of private collections, it had moved from place to place. Uh, eventually, it had gone missing in 1936. Apparently there was some controversy, but I couldn't find anything about it. As I read about the cross, I couldn't shake the feeling that someone was watching me. I looked around, nothing. When I'd finished making notes, I went to leave. And in one of the balconies, there was a figure. Looked like a, a man in a black hoodie. He was looking down at me. I couldn't see his face. But there they were, staring right at me. And I just felt the same dread when I saw the vision of the patchwork man in my dream. People walked past me and looked up at what I was looking at, but I couldn't talk to them. They couldn't see it. Eventually, I broke eye contact with the thing and I ran out of the library as quick as I could. I pushed past tourists and I just ran and ran until I got to the train station. On the way home, everywhere I looked, I thought I could see this shadow. I'd look and it was there and then I'd look again and it was gone. I don't know how much more of this I can take. After my encounter at the library, I slept relatively well that night. I had confusing dreams, but nothing like the ones before. Nothing with the cross. Nothing with the patchwork man. When I woke in the morning, I had voicemails left on my phone. I turned my phone to silent to help me sleep. And I saw all three.
that I had were from Mike. I listened to the first one. Mike, can you come and find me? Are you there? This... It's going to sound weird. I, I just come in with the weirdest sensation that someone's following me. Are you... I said, it's definitely not that way. Are you there? Pick up, mate, will you? I was worried. What was this thing that was following Mike? I had told him about my dream. He, he just laughed. But was the patchwork man now after Mike, like it was in my dream that first evening? I steeled myself. And I listened to the second message. Wait, I'm not fucking around this time. Pick up the phone, all right? This, I don't know what it was, but I'm not, it's, it's inside. There's something downstairs in the house. It's, I can fucking hear it, mate. The cabinet's downstairs. I've got my keys up here and I can't get to the guns. It, I don't know what the fuck. What? Mate, are you there? Pick up. Jesus At this point, I was, I was freaking hell. My heart was pounding. What had happened to Mike? I tried to ring him. No answer. Nothing. Just his voicemail. So I listened to the third message. It wasn't Mike. I don't know who it was. After listening to it several times, I realised there was a message in it. It was this. I found out later that Mike had been killed. There was no sign of forced entry. And the police wouldn't reveal the cause of death, but I knew what happened. It was him. It was the patchwork man, and he had killed my friend. I didn't know what to do, but I know I had to end this. After what happened to Mike, I knew I had to do something. I knew I had to end this. So I gathered some things and I went to the old abandoned tube station the one from my first dream. I felt it was calling me somehow. I knew that that was where I'd find it. That was where I would find the patchwork man. I got there at the dead of night. Everything was locked up, but it had been broken into before and the repairs had been shoddy. So I went to the gate 
and I pulled and I kicked and I slammed it as hard as I could. Eventually the new lock gave way and I pulled the gate open, but I scratched the top layer of skin off my forearm. Wincing in pain and seeing the blood drop down, I realised that this, this was going to be the least of my problems, the least of my injuries. I tried to descend towards the underground platform, but as I went, stairs were longer than they should have been, corridors shorter, leading round corners that went to nowhere. There were stairs up, stairs down. It was like the place was trying to lead me astray. I thought I was going mad. Was, was I asleep again? Was this just a dream? What was happening? But then I just fixated on Mike. And what that thing had done to him. And I pushed on. And eventually, I got to the platform. When I got to the platform, it was just like it was in my dream. And I could hear the water pouring down the walls, except it wasn't there. I could hear the water, but I couldn't see it. This place was playing tricks on me. I knew it. So I jumped down onto the track and I walked into the tunnel. If anything, it was darker and more overwhelming than my dream. But I pushed on, torch in hand. After what felt like forever, I heard a gurgling, bubbling sound up ahead and the sound of rushing water. I thought maybe there was a burst pipe, a water main, but no. I shone my torch on a gaping wound in the wall like the brick had been scraped away and instead of mortar underneath, there was flesh, torn, jagged, bleeding, oozing. As I came closer, I saw that this wound had teeth, jagged teeth like a shark. I felt it. It wanted something. It, it wanted feeding. So I took out the painting, the one I'd received in the post, the one that filled me with a sense of overwhelming despair and loneliness. I offered the painting to the wall. It growled in delight as I pushed it into the wet mass of flesh and teeth. And I knew as it began to devour this painting, the paint, the oil, the wood, the canvas began to be torn apart. I knew that by doing this, I was giving in to a future of loneliness and despair and sorrow. But I had to. I had to end this thing. I had to end this thing before it ended me, like it did Mike. As it devoured, I felt 
energy returning to me, a new sense of vigour. I looked at my arm and the cut was gone, completely healed, not even a scar. And so, with this thing satiated, I walked on, down, down into the tunnel, farther and farther and farther. And eventually my torch gave out and I was in utter darkness, but I pushed on and on. I was so scared. And then I found a door, an impossible door, a door made of wood against a plaster wall, something that shouldn't be here, not in an underground train tunnel. Now I'm here and I know once I go through this door, there'll be no coming back. I don't care. This was it. This was when I would confront and defeat the patchwork man who die trying. Stood outside an impossible door, a wooden door against a plaster wall inside a railway tunnel, disused, forgotten. My hands trembled as I reached for the door handle. Gritting my teeth, I pulled, and as the door opened, a darkness that even eclipsed that of the pitch black around me enveloped me. And I could sense its presence. That same feeling in my first dream, when it had been chasing me. It's swirled around me, trying to pull me apart. Like in a dream where all your teeth fall out. Or where your hands are suddenly made of glass and you can't move them for fear of shattering them. I could feel it pulling me apart, piece by piece. I screamed, but no noise came out. I was giving up hope. I saw flashes of the patchwork man appear before me, its blank, emotionless eyes just staring at me. Then the darkness would return. I reached down, and on my belt was the cross. The iron cross I'd found in the abandoned castle. I pulled it from my belt, and as I did so, everything reverted back to normal. I was in a dark room with little light, but I was whole, and I was me. I could see the patchwork man standing in front of me, motionless, just staring, after all he'd done. I screamed in rage, full-throated and full of fury. I lashed out at him, attacking him with the iron cross in my hands, its heavy weight landing blow after blow. It didn't seem to faze him and he struck back. Nails like talons, jagged, 
broken things that left ragged cuts wherever they struck. No matter how often I struck the patchwork man, he would not go down. And I began to despair. I put all my strength into one blow, which struck the patchwork man across the temple, sending him reeling backwards, and I turned the cross in my hand, its sharp point facing towards his heart, and I struck and... abandoned railway station uh, and I felt my lifeblood draining away uh, as my eyes started to go dim I could see the patchwork man looking at me and then, then what? No, no, I'm not dead. I'm not dead. I, I'm recording this. How can I be dead? No. Wait. No. It, it's trying to pass the curse on. If you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, stop. He's using me. He's using me to get you. He's using...